Yeah. It's, it's the most uniting feeling, you know, like, like you're standing next to some random dude at a, at a show and you don't know anything about him. He doesn't know anything about you, but you guys are screaming these words and these lyrics and something that you felt personally connected to. And you can share that with people that you don't know. And that is, that that's the, one of the best things about music. Seekers, welcome to a very special episode of Sound for Thought, a podcast about why people make music. The perfect listening destination for creative inspiration, discovering new music, and getting to know your next favorite artist. Today I've got a wonderful conversation with Sean Perry of The Shakes For You. We talk about all sorts of great stuff like his childhood growing up in Seattle, how his parents and sister got him hooked on music, Sean's songwriting process and collaboration process with the other members of The Shakes. We talk about the benefits of playing in a band. We talk about trying to create happy, sad music, you know, music that is sonically uplifting and positive, but lyrically vulnerable and personal. We talk about how retiring can be a good career move for a musician. Also, shitty movies, baseball, fandom, angels, and Seattle Mariners, and so much more. We talk about Seattle a lot. It's a really good conversation. I'm excited for you all to hear it and get to know Sean. Most importantly, as always, you'll hear Sean explain why he makes music. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast, Sound for Thought wherever you are hearing this right now. Could be Spotify, could be Apple Podcast. Wherever you are, hit subscribe. That will do a lot to help us out. Thank you. And follow us on Instagram at Redefining Records for updates on this show and other cool music content. I recommend checking out our sister podcast, Bands, Beers, and Buzzwords with John Pagliasati. In his show, he interviews people about their favorite albums, some legendary classic albums, and some newer stuff. He gets them drunk while doing so with sort of a bingo buzzword, landmine type drinking game woven throughout the show. It's sort of like a podcast version of Drunk History, but all about music. It's super fun. I believe we're also going to get Mr. Sean Perry on that show very soon as well, so look out for that. Without further ado, I want to get to the special news. This episode is extra special because the Shakes just dropped their new single, Six Feet Below, and we are more than happy to be premiering it right here on Sound for Thought. You're going to hear that soon right now. Before we jump into the interview, if you haven't already heard it already, you can stream it now on all the listening platforms. And uh, at the end of the show, also stay tuned to hear their song, I Just Want to Feel Something. Well, that's it. That's the intro. Stay safe, be kind, keep making cool shit, and please enjoy the show. This is Six Feet Below by The Shakes on Sound for Thought. Building a bridge to the fire I don't know if it could get much higher 
from seattle um i mean we moved pretty much like due to like my my parents were involved like my dad was in real estate during 08 um and that really like like was a pretty tough time for us so i know like we, we moved down here to be mainly to be like closer to family gotcha i'd say but i mean they were I mean, we lived up there for 25 years, obviously, like before I was born. But my, my mom and dad were, like, 
in radio up there for a good part of the nineties. Oh, cool. This what, the, um, the great era. What kind of radio are we talking? Um, I know my mom was affiliated with a couple like hard rock stations and a country station, which is weird because she doesn't listen to country or like hard rock. Interesting. <laughs> which is funny. Um, yeah. And my, my dad worked for this company, AEI, that was a, um, like way before, um, like Pandora and Spotify restaurants and like companies used to reach out to people to supply music for them. And that was his job was like going and creating playlists for um, different restaurants and another thing and like being able to supply them with it. That's a sick job. Yeah. It's like, it's really a dream job, but now it's like, you know, you just, you hook, you know, your Bluetooth up to your phone at your work and then that just plays throughout. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. I always kind of like to ask about people's parents because I'm curious how everybody gets started with music and it seems very apparent that your your parents were big music people. Oh yeah. Yeah. They I mean they they're pretty much the reason why I got into music. Like my my, my parents raised me on everything from like the Who to U two, Jeff Beck, Marvin Gaye, um Led Zeppelin, like just like all these great like classic rock bands was that was always like being played around the house. Did they play music themselves? Were they musicians? They did not, which is like the most craziest thing ever because that's all me and my dad ever talk about is music and he's never really attempted to pick up an instrument before. <laughs> well, and you're covering yeah, it for him. My mom, my mom played accordion when she was like 10. But oh, that's, count. that's interesting. Does she ever pull it out? No, I think she got rid of it actually like during the move because I think my dad was like, get that thing the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Like we don't want that taking up space, but Fair yeah, no, yes. Yeah, so like they were, they were huge, like people in my life to turn me on to music. And then my my sister was kind of the one that showed me like the new age, new era of music when I was like ten. Um, I mean, we're like seven years apart, and she got me into like bands like Fallout Boy, like early Fallout Boy, like Taking Back Sunday. salesman um and no doubt and i remember like we we used to share a bathroom at our house and there was like she had a a boom box on a cd player and she would always have uh rock steady by no doubt playing um and i remember hearing heligate by no doubt and i remember hearing that for the first time and I, my mind was just completely blown at like 10 years old. And I got so obsessed with that album that when I used to walk to school, I had like a little CD Walkman player and I used to just play that and walk to school and listen to that every single day. Well, that's really cool. I think it's... Um... You know, I I see it a lot in movies. It's always cool. I didn't really have this experience myself, but it seems cool to have an older sibling who's like 
significantly older. Like you said, seven years, like seven, eight, six years. Always seems like those relationships kind of develop like a cool mentorship, especially with music, because they are old enough to like be discovering something that you would just have no ability to find on your own. Yeah. No, I mean, I, w- I would not have any musical knowledge if it wasn't for my parents and my sister, I would say, because I mean, it was, it was just always playing around the house. And like, even when I was in my dad's car, I mean, he had, you know, like the who live at Leeds and he had, you know, Jeff Beck, like guitar shop, always playing in the car. And, you know, I used to just go to school and like, like songs would just be stuck in my head at, at such a young age. And I just became like obsessed with it. Yeah. That's cool. At what age did you decide I need to start playing music? I think I was like, so, okay, this is a funny story. I was, I was really into basketball um, because I'm, I'm, I'm pretty tall and my dad was also a coach while he was in radio. Yeah. Um, and so like I, I, I played on a bunch of teams like throughout like elementary, like junior high and stuff. And then freshman year, I broke my arm. Uh, oh yeah, and I showed up to practice the next day, and the coach is like, "What are you doing here? Like, why, <laughs> like, why the fuck would you step foot in my gymnasium with that cast expecting to be on the team?" I mean, yeah. he didn't say it like that, but like, you know, pretty much. So, I remember going home that night, and I was so just down on myself. I'm like, "What am I gonna do? Like, I don't know, like, what else to do with my life." And so, I had this like 90 degree cast where like my arm was like like lifted up and it was in a perfect position to hold a guitar and play a guitar so during those like four months I spent the majority of my time like learning how to play like simple chords and just like learning like simple guitar techniques yeah on YouTube um from my guy did you ever used to watch like Marty Schwartz growing up no tell me about it like like on YouTube, I don't know. He's just like, he's just this pioneer of like YouTube, like guitar teacher. Oh, cool. And, and so like, if you go to like his channel, like it dates back like years, but like he was yeah. one of like the, the first like big guys to be like guitar teacher online. And, you know, he had a bunch, just like a bunch of like easy tutorial videos. That's sick. Did you ever go to in-person lessons? Uh, I took a few. I went to this guy... Uh, that was actually right down the road from my house, and he helped me out a little bit. Um, but I honestly just learned faster, um, like, playing on my own. Just yeah. because, like, in high school, you know, YouTube was so accessible at the time. And, like, growing up, I mean, I'm, I'm only 24, but, like, like I didn't have, like, YouTube at, like, a super young age. So I just really started to utilize that a lot in high school and, like, like freshman year and where'd you go to school at are you you're in orange county now or uh i'm in long beach actually just moved up here like three months ago i've been going kind of back and forth um but i i went to school in huntington okay um right down the road yeah cool i grew up in in huntington i live in seattle now where we did opposite uh moves i moved north yeah. from huntington we, we kind of swapped places didn't we we did we did <laughs> Well, here we are. Here we are talking over the internet anyway. (laughs) Before uh, we kind of really dig in, I kind of wanted to hear you describe the vibe of your own music kind of in your own words. Maybe we're going to play the new song at the beginning of this interview. So people who don't know the shakes will have heard that. 
But okay. I kind of want to hear, how do you describe the vibe of your music? I'm only one fifth of the shakes. And I think all of us have like completely different musical backgrounds. So like me, like, like being raised on a lot of like my family stuff. And then, you know, we, like, like Cameron, who's obsessed with bands like Wilco and um, like bands like uh, Fugazi and, and stuff. And then Sid's more into like a lot of like the pop stuff. So she loves like Billie Eilish and um, like Lainey. And then Levi's like super has always just been like, like Death Cab and, uh, and Tanner's like super like Tame Impala and like all that stuff. And um, yeah. we all just kind of come together and I don't know, like we're just a typical pop indie alternative band, as you would say. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's cool. That's uh, I like hearing the different tastes from everybody. Um, I think it's interesting that you guys are kind of a five piece. I feel like there's a trend lately of having kind of smaller projects, a lot of solo artists just doing the whole thing themselves. And it's kind of refreshing to see a big group still. I mean, I'd say five, five people's a pretty big group. Yeah. It's a headache sometimes. It really is. But <laughs> in, in what ways? Uh, I mean, it, it's, it's not a headache, but like getting people to like free up schedules to be able to practice and, yeah. and stuff like that. Like, like that's, that's definitely one of the hardships, but um, I don't know. Like, like we all just share like the same drive and you know, like we, we're all just really honest with each other. So like if I write a song, I'll send it to like Sid and I'll tell her like, please tell me if this is shit or if it's good. And then she'll tell me like, this is not good. And I'm like, okay, yeah. next one, you know? Um, so it's good to like have a band to tell you like your critiques and be able to trust them with your music. Because I know of like a lot of like solo artists that just kind of keep all of them, all the music to themselves you know, and like, mm-hmm. I like, like we're, we, we share like everything with each other. And that's one of like the super special things about being in an actual band. Yeah, definitely. It seems, yeah, there's definitely got to be pros and cons is, is the songwriting process. Does it usually start with you? Are you kind of coming up with stuff and then sending it to everyone or does it come from all over? Yeah. I mean, I usually start off with like the skeleton of the song. So I mean, the the first thing I do is usually like come up with either like a melody or like like drums and bass, um, and then r- write the lyrics and then kind of like the outline of the song. Yeah, and then I'll send it over to Sid, and uh, she will kind of put the skin on the song, if you'd say. So like, you know, like fix all like the rough patches maybe add in because like she's a she's a great piano player so she adds in a bunch of different spices here and there and um you know she, she's she's at a she's at a studio right now as a producer and um she's kind of works her magic like that i don't know writing for me i mean usually like i'll start like um, i i try to write every single day M- like mainly at night just because it's it's good for my mental health since I can't afford a therapist. You know? Yeah, but <laughs> me neither. I yeah, I kind of do the same thing with journaling. Yeah, and it's like, like most of the time, it's just you know a bunch of random sentences that I figure to be song lyrics, and then I'll try to piece them together to be able to create a story. 
um, 90% of the time that doesn't really work. And I kind of, kind of have to wing it on that, but, yeah. um, yeah, no, I mean, it's just, it's, it's super therapeutic to me to, and just to be able to catch that release, you know? Totally. You know, you mentioned trying to write every day. Are you somebody who kind of builds your days around certain habits? Like besides even just writing, are you a kind of a habitual person? I mean, I try to be, <laughs> um, <laughs> But like I, for most of this past year, I mean, I was unemployed, so it was kind of hard to like stay on an actual schedule. So I, I was kind of chaotic a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, you know, I didn't have like a specific sleep schedule or um, really anything. So most of my day was just trying to find inspiration and being able to come up with something to send to the guys because nobody like at, at the beginning of this, this past year, like nobody knew what the fuck was going on. Like when we were going to yeah. be able to get back to playing normal and it was a really scary feeling for all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was just like, you know, a sense of urgency to be able to come back after all of this is over and be in the same place that we were before. Do you feel, I mean, we're getting close to some, normalcy do you feel like you guys are sort of ready to to get going and get back to where you were or do you feel like you know things have changed so dramatically that you're just reassessing and and just starting with what you've got you know I think after because like we don't have a rehearsal spot so a lot of these like hourly rehearsal spots are going to start opening up and I think once we start getting in back into the swing of things of like things being open now yeah um, I think we'll finally be able to feel like we're ready to start playing live again and being able to do what we love to do. Cause we've been robbed of that the past year, you know? Yeah. I don't know, man. It's just, it, it's, it's been a really long year and this song that we've, we've put out six feet below has just, it's meant so much to us the past like three years. Cause like, this is one of the first songs that like we kind of, put together like after releasing um our first ep and we've just never gotten in the studio and recorded it but we play it live like every single time and it's it's become um a niche favorite of some of our some of our fans and and people who listen to us yeah it's great i'm excited for everybody to hear uh the recorded version of it what do you think what's what's kind of the reason it took so long to come together i mean you've been working on it for so long what what about the song kind of kept it from being released much earlier? Well, first of all, uh, we needed to find a producer who could be able or who was able to take it on, and and we worked with John Joseph, and he was just a fucking master. He's he's just a genius at his work, and we we took it to him, and he put his own spin on it, um, and we we enjoyed every single second of it, and I think like we we struggled to release it because it was so like personal. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a very, very personal song. And, and the lyrics were, I, I wrote it during like a pretty rough time in my life. And I don't know. It's just, it's, it's our baby, you know, and it's, it's hard to let, <laughs> let that song go, but you know, it, it's out there and it's, it's everybody's now. And we're, we're really excited to, to get back to normal here and start playing it live for people again. Yes, I think everybody's ready to hear some live music and, and go back to going to shows and stuff. It's 
it's getting exciting that it's uh, getting to that point. Well, and that's that's the thing that like drives us, you know, is like going to shows, like like as artists, like I think this past year a lot of people have been lacking, you know, inspiration, staying inside. Yeah. You know, every single hour of the day. I mean, like for the for the most part of last year that's that's what was happening and um i don't know like like getting back to normal going out at night and getting inspiration from being around your friends going and seeing your favorite band or you know just going out like experiencing nightlife and being surrounded by people like there's no like there's so much inspiration in that i mean we talk a little bit about how uh this song and you know other songs of yours kind of come from a self-therapy kind of place trying to work through your own interpersonal issues and stuff is it easier for you to write about that stuff as opposed to writing about kind of more happier upbeat stuff yeah (laughs) i guess i mean i don't know man like i i started writing a lot of like really sad stuff grow like i i listened to like a lot of like city and color I could do better by you cause that's what you deserve. You know, just like super like sad music right? like like Sitting Color was one of my favorite artists in high school and like bands like the 1975 and um a lot of those songs, like they have such happy, like euphoric melodies and the lyrics are always so sad. Like same thing with like the cure and like the Smiths, you know, like those bands yeah. had such a way of of portraying, you know, this heavenly feeling. But if you take a deeper dive in the lyrics, like they're super, they're, they're just a lot more dark than you would anticipate them to be, you know, if you give them like an actual study. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess it, it, it's not that I struggle to write happy songs. I just kind of write whatever comes out of me. Um, and I usually just try to put that on paper. Yeah, totally. No, that's a good answer. I um, And I kind of agree with what you were saying. It's interesting. I think some of my favorite music is the same way with kind of sonically, it's sort of happy or positive vibes, but lyrically sad. I guess that juxtaposition kind of creates sort of a cathartic feeling of of release and, and relief, I guess, when it comes to like connecting with those issues that we all kind of have, but like letting them letting them go or letting them out yeah and like i i feel like we're seeing a, a lot of trend in that with artists like phoebe bridgers and yeah like soccer mommy and like all this like really really cool like almost like emo pop yeah. music like it's kind of coming back like that but in a non like super like you know like when you hear like one of those like super sad like pop punk songs like when you're growing up and you're like oh like this is i already know what this is but like when you listen to you know the lyrics of phoebe bridgers she's almost like poking fun at it or like trying to make the best out of her situation Which I like. I, I I I fucking love it. Like I love her and everything that she does. I'm like, <laughs> I agree. I agree. Yeah, it's interesting you bring that up. I feel like there is kind of a a bit of a revival right now in kind of that um, 
kind of that pop punk sort of space. Even, yeah, you can throw in a little bit of emo in there too, but I've been seeing that more and more, even with like the most mainstream pop stuff, like uh, Olivia Rodrigo obviously just kind of blew up and she's got the whole pop punk thing going. And I'm like, Hey, this is interesting. It's coming back. Yeah. I hear so much. Like uh, we were just talking about this last night, like in the band group chat about her and like, like, it's just, it's so cool to see uh, guitar being yeah, back in, totally. like, the top, like, Billboard songs, you know? Because we've been missing that for the past decade. I don't think people, like, really realize that. I mean, like, yeah, we've had bands like like 21 Pilots and fucking, like, Imagine Dragons and, and stuff. But, like, like you know what I'm saying? Like, Yeah, well, absolutely. What's that song? What's that song by Olivia Rodrigo that's, like, the... Like the good for you song, I think it's called. Yeah. hear like so much like paramore like Haley williams like influence in her voice and it's fucking awesome like i i love it i'm, I'm rooting for anybody popular with a guitar in their hands at this point i like that yeah that's a good mission statement yeah i mean you're right the whole last decade i feel like there's a bunch of people saying rock is dead basically and it's just uh it's nice to see it just being totally disregarded yeah yeah i mean like i think i read a stat the other month and it was like the last like song that was number one that was like a rock and roll song on billboard was like sex on fire by um kings of leon kings of leon yeah yeah that was a while ago too yeah that was yeah. gosh i don't even know what year what that what was that like 2010 or something yeah and that was like a true rock song you know i, I, yeah, I think was. there's been a couple like 21 pilot songs and like I'm not shitting on 21 Pilots like whatsoever, but like they're not, you know, typical like rock music, you know? Yeah, I agree. Why don't you talk a little bit more about the other kind of musical influences that you have today, like kind of the stuff you're really into right now that are kind of influencing your current music? You know, I've I've been really into this band, uh, Slow Pulp. They're on Sub Pop, but they're from Chicago and they just have like this like kind of like late nineties, like post rock vibe. Yeah. Um, kind of like, like, like Midwest, like American football and like all that stuff. And that's really been on my, on my daily plays. go back and forth between music like my top i'm looking at the top of my save songs and it's like fugazi give me the cure and then kylie minogue can't get you out of my head so i love that <laughs> it's like too like my my music taste and influences all over so well that's great no but like like bands that i always go back to and listen to like on a regular basis or bands like i don't know, like like the the cure 1975 LCD sound system, Wilco, Kevin Crowder. I love Kevin Crowder. He's from he's from yeah. LA. He's fucking dope. And Levi actually showed him to me. He's he's an amazing artist. Those are all 
Those are all great artists. I, I love anytime anyone mentions LCD sound system. That Everyone who knows me knows that I have a deep, deep obsession with, with that band and James Murphy. So, Oh, yeah. Love to hear it. Love to obsess over it. Dude, I missed out. I missed out on their Coachella uh, performance. What was that, like five years ago? Yeah. You know what, Sean? I was there. How was that? What was that experience like for you? It was it was religious. It was so awesome because I don't know about you, but I I'm almost about the same age as you. I'm 25, and mm. I discovered them uh, late in high school. So we were I don't know. I guess the year would have been 2014, and so they were broken up. You know, yeah. Like when I discovered them, and I think this happened to a lot of people our age. It's like kind of discovered them. They were, but they were already broken up. So you had you know, the music and it was awesome, but you were like, Oh, I'll never see this band ever. Yeah. Which was a weird feeling that you don't really experience with too many artists unless they're like dead or from a long ass time ago. Yeah. It's, it's, it's funny to see bands like break up for such a small amount of time and then get back together like a decade later. Yeah. Like, I feel like, you know, like Daft Punk just did that, but it was mainly because I think one of the guys like went deaf, but if they ever like, somehow get back together and go on like a reunion tour they will make million like tens of millions of dollars on like reunion tours oh absolutely it's really great for a musician's career to uh quit and uh retire it seems like the moment you retire uh your streams will go through the roof maybe i should do that right after we maybe we should do that (laughs) right after we release this song maybe that'll catapult us i think that might be the key i think it's the key actually is to uh retire um (laughs) but yeah it's funny um it is really funny but yeah going back to the lcd thing i ended up seeing them at coachella and i actually uh at the end of the show caught a drumstick from one of the roadies threw a drumstick in the crowd it was a broken drumstick from uh pat mahoney and so i was literally just having like the most spiritual uh experience (laughs) i was like oh i was meant to be here i got the drumstick (laughs) like it's all lining up please tell me about that framed or something you know i've been i've been meaning to put it in a case it's just it's sitting on my desk still and I'm not too worried about keeping it in mint condition because I will never, ever, ever give it or sell it to anybody. So yeah, um, as long as I keep it safe in my own possession, it's already broken. So uh, <laughs> I can't break it more than well, I could. But it's anyway, awesome. it's safe. It's safe. <laughs> it's fucking great. I like um, kind of going back to what you were saying about your sort of artists that you're listening to lately and the ones you always go back to and especially you mentioned, you know, the top two recent songs being totally different genres. That's kind of an area that I think is really cool about sort of the time we're living in with, with streaming and and digital kind of the biggest advantage is um, we're so capable of hearing so many different types of music now, as opposed to before, whenever you had to pay for music. I mean, I think this is probably the biggest redeeming factor of streaming, even though it's got so many issues. Um, at least from a listener standpoint, it lets you consume so much more uh, than you were ever capable of before when yeah. you had to buy music, whether it was physical uh, copies or even buying MP3s. People were just so limited. And so now you can listen to literally anything. And, and more and more independent artists are able to put their music out there on streaming as well. And, and everything is just kind of in one place. And 
it creates a good listener experience, obviously, because you get to just kind of listen to everything. And and fewer and fewer people seem like to have a favorite genre in it or something like that. I feel like the more people I talk to, the more everyone's kind of listened to a lot of different stuff. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, streaming has made everything accessible to the listener now. Like, can you imagine being in like 1995 and going and seeing a show and then you can't look them up on your phone? Like, like kids these days yeah. will never be able to, you know, go home from a show and like, you know, not be able to like, like, you know, get in contact with those bands, you know, like you have to like write a mail or something. Yeah. But now it's like, you know, you, you go see a cool band like opening up or like, like a unique artist. And then you just look them up on your Instagram and Spotify. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, like I have, I, I love social media. I think it's great, but I also kind of have like, a, like a hate relationship with it just because, um, I mean, I'm just like, I'm I'm so addicted to everything on my phone as as long as I think everybody is now. We like it's pretty are, much yeah. just be, it's pretty much just become another organ of our body. Yeah. Um and like it's it's fucking awesome being able to especially over this past year like getting messages from people who listen to your music and like tell you how much it means to you and it's gotten them, you know, past like a dark time in their life and like that's fucking great. Um but like, if you're, you know, I just, I can't help to think about like the kid who's like 18 years old in high school struggling with mental health and looking at his phone and he's got 200 followers and then, you know, like all these influencers nowadays, like, you know, they look at some other kid that's like their same age. They have a million followers seeing that they're, they're like traveling the world and, yeah. you know, got all these like great things. And that kid's probably like, wow, like my life, my life sucks compared to a lot of these people. Um, yeah. And like, I don't know, I don't want to get too like depressing like that, but, but no, I mean like, like, like social media has been great for, for the music industry. Um, I mean, especially for like helping finding like small artists and and bands and stuff, because, you know, now you don't have to give your CDs out at shows or, or like, like, like give, give like your local record shop, like printed vinyl of your music you know like you just upload it and it's available for everybody to see yeah no and i'm i'm glad you said you know the th- the downsides of social media too i think it's important to always talk about those things and not pretend like they don't exist yeah so totally totally comfortable going down that road and um what are what are some other kind of as as a band specifically and i'm thinking about like streaming i mean i just sort of talked about how it's great for the listener we all know it doesn't really help the band monetarily i mean it helps you get more exposure and more listeners but it doesn't pay shit so anything i'm curious kind of what you how you feel about that and what do you think are kind of do you have any ideas on what could be a better system i mean are you a fan of like patreon and stuff like that do you think that's the future or what are your thoughts? Yeah, on that? I mean, we've we've never done Patreon or like any of those things. We we've all just kind of been like like self funded, you know. Like we all, we all work jobs to be able to yeah pitch in to help out on the band. Um, and you know, like like we, I don't know, like like I'm, I'm I guess merch sales are huge, and that's really hurt us this past year too. Because you know, you you play shows, you bring your your merch, and that's where you make a good amount of your money. Um, 
Yeah. I mean, we can also do like when we, we do like an online shop and stuff too, but I can't like, I don't see Spotify falling off anytime soon, you know, no. or like changing the way that they do things because people forget, like it's only like six years old. Yeah. Like we've, we've only had streaming for six years and it feels like so much longer ago. Like, like putting a CD in your car seems ancient nowadays, you know? Yeah, I agree. Like we, we've just, we, we've advanced so fast, like over the past decade with, you know, our phones and, and everything. And, um, I don't know, kids these days are never going to be able to experience like the thrill of putting a record on the record table and like, you know, putting the pin on the record and feeling that sense of, you know, physical music, I should say. Yeah. Only the, uh, only the big music nerds will still do that. Uh, but the large majority, yeah, are just going to be hearing it through streaming and, I think it is um, good that you mentioned how you guys are self-funded and so many independent bands and artists that I talk to are the same way. And some people kind of forget that like everybody making music is also like working a job usually or having this whole other thing going on. And then they're dedicating like every ounce of their free time to the music and it's a lot of work. And I'd like to hear, um, I mean, I know you said you were kind of unemployed through the pandemic. A lot of people were. That's a tough time. I'd like to hear, I don't know if you have a job now or like what are some of the other jobs of your bandmates just so people can kind of hear. We know Sid is a producer, but uh, what are some of the other jobs you guys do? So I know uh, Levi is a session musician um, and Cameron was actually working uh, at my current job um, at this like uh, medical supply company, but he actually got a job on a golf course because he loves golf. Like he is like getting, it, it's scary how good he's getting. At golf. <laughs> like, I'm kind of worried that he's going to like leave the band and then go you know, pursue like a PGA tour. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I, th- I think Tanner does like fire exp- uh, like inspections. Like he'll like go and like, test out i'm not 100 percent sure what he does like i think he like tests like fire alarms and stuff um and then like i i actually just got this job like three months ago but i mean before a pandemic i was i was doing like ballet mostly just yeah. like pay the bills and and stuff and i i worked at this like prestigious like hollywood club up in la where like all like the fucking movie stars and like big artists used to come in and yeah and shit and it sucks because like i could never talk about it either like while i had a job i I couldn't say like who came in and like who did all this stuff i had to keep it secret because i would lose my job yeah well that's cool do you ever see yourself i mean is there any other career passions you have besides music or is is music everything for you no music music is it it's the only thing I'm good at, I think. <laughs> See, it's the only thing that I know how to do. I mean, I sucked in school. I suck at I sucked at everything else. And music is the only thing that I've been comfortable doing in my life. Um, I think the next step is just trying to make, like, be able to make a living off of it. If that makes sense. Do you have any other hobbies, like non-career type thing, but maybe just things you enjoy besides music? I I love shitty movies. There we go. Like, I love a good two thousands rom com movie. Like my and my roommates do it too, and we just like we have like once a week where we will just watch like a shitty fucking movie and just like laugh <laughs> like all the time. That's good on it. Like I just watched the room the other day. Oh, the um, room. 
the the, the Tommy Wiseau yeah, movie. Yeah, the legendary worst movie ever. Yes, it's it's the best worst movie you will ever watch in your like. It's so bad that you can't stop watching it. You know, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. <laughs> I would say um, the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, and like like my my roommate Davis is is a director, so like he's like super into movies too, and like um you know like we 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 just try to like watch all this stuff and like dissect it and like seeing like like what the fuck are they doing in this scene like I don't know yeah um, yeah but I don't know I'm I'm also I'm a I'm a huge Seahawk fan and uh, um, Mariner fan nice yep I just went to a game recently you did. Yeah, I mean, I'm a huge Angels fan because uh, oh, I grew so. up in Orange County. Oh, I mean, I'm sorry to you as well. We can be sad together. I, at least you guys are showing some promise right now. Uh, we're just like a whole depression over here. Yeah, no, we got well, we got some young prospects, and you guys got two of the best players in the league. But I mean, it's whatever. Yeah, and uh, what is it? How? Where does it get us? Where does it get us? Just Nowhere. a lot of a lot of pain. Yep, we're the we're the laughing stock of the league, but at least we share that, you know. Yeah, yeah. I have another friend who's a Mariners fan as well, and we're always kind of making this these same exact exact jokes, just sort of making fun of each other, and then sort of uh, agreeing that we both suck and in different ways. But I think at least genuinely, you guys have some some hope right now. I mean, we don't really have hope besides uh, it's cool to watch. Yeah, it's cool to watch Otani and Trout play. Trout's hurt right now, which just makes things even sadder. Yeah. But uh, it's really cool to watch them play. Other than that, it just seems like it's never going to change, and it hasn't changed for us in like a decade. So yeah, I mean, same. Like we haven't made the playoffs since like '01. So yeah, you guys have that playoff drought. That's insane. Yeah, like and like a lot of my friends in Orange County, like they're all Angels fans, and I mean, they'll they'll like say like, "Oh, it feels like '02, like after a win." <laughs> A win against like the Rangers or something, yeah, yeah. and then and then and then they'll lose like the next like four games, and they'll just like shut up about it. <laughs> oh, exactly. I mean, almost every year, like clockwork, uh, I get optimistic in the off season, and uh, even this year we had a pretty good start. It was like you know the first like two weeks they played pretty well. They won a couple series against good teams like the White Sox. Uh, yeah, and it was like oh shit, yeah, it is like oh two. People say that, and it never is. It's never. <laughs> It's never happening again. Again, and uh, it's best to give up hope now. Yeah, it's it's like saying you guys have a good pitching staff, and then you know every year for the past twenty years. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's it's bad. It's bad. But yeah, yeah, I shouldn't be talking. I mean, I'm a fucking Mariners fan, but I mean, anyways. <laughs> you guys at least have really cool uh, jerseys, and like uh, I, I really love the the colors of the Mariners and stuff. So that's something. Yeah. Coolest jersey in the league, but we are the laughing stock. So it's whatever. Yeah. Anyway, we digress. I mean, I also like one of my New Year's resolutions was to start reading a lot more. Oh, nice. This past year. Because yeah. like, especially being in quarantine too, like it kind of gave me another thing to do at the beginning of the year. Yeah. And I actually started, I I, I read The Stand by Stephen King. Um, and it's this, it's this book about, of where a virus wipes out like 99 percent of the uh. population <laughs> and it was so strange reading this book yeah. because i was reading so many similarities of like things that were happening yeah. around the world at that time like there's a i think it's like chapter eight in that book but it, it's like it it actually got brought up 
like at the beginning of the pandemic and it's it's Stephen King like narrating like his way through um through like the beginning of their like pandemic so it's like Susie went to the airport touched the railing uh and then John touched the railing went to the gas station John touched the gas pump and then Susie touched the gas pump and it's just like this whole snowball effect and i'm like holy shit like that's literally like he he wrote this in like 1970 something and it's like that's literally like what we're going through right now yeah obviously not like to that you know 99 percent of the population that would be it was just kind of scary reading some of that yeah it's funny you mentioned that i i also read a uh, a similar book there's one called the plague by albert camus and uh it was the exact same experience we i started reading it uh like a few weeks into the pandemic based off uh, a friend who wanted to read it as a group. We kind of had a little book club going and a friend thought it would be a good idea. And it was the same kind of like surreal experience of reading it and being like, okay, yeah, this is happening. This is happening. This is also happening. That's real. <laughs> and just being, I don't know. I think it kind of made me feel worse about it. Honestly, I, I, I kind of regret reading yeah, just reading like it. Adding, yeah. to the, adding to the anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> But it's funny, you know, Stephen King is such a good writer. I haven't read too many of his novels, but I read last year his his memoir, his on writing kind of book, where he kind of it's half memoir, half like tips to writers. And if you liked one of his books, you should definitely read that since you're hmm. a writer yourself. I think you would uh, get a lot out of it, honestly. Interesting. Yeah i I wish I had his ability to crank out material as fast as he does yeah because it seems like every year he just has like a best-selling novel like on the new york times yeah he talks about it in that in that on writing book he uh just has like insane work ethic honestly he just like sits down every day and writes a certain amount of words just like every day like clockwork whether it's good or bad he just like forces himself to keep writing yeah and uh i guess it works worked out for him yeah. Diving back into music a little bit here, you know, we, we talk about, you know, you have some other hobbies, but you've never seen yourself doing anything besides music. What At what point did you kind of realize, I mean, I'm sure, I mean, your parents seem like they're probably really supportive since they're musical people, but there's always outside pressure on people who want to commit a, to a career of making music. There's outside pressure saying, you know, this is hard. Are you sure you want to do this? Yeah. Um, those types of questions. At what point did you kind of make the make the leap of saying like I'm gonna try to do this for real? You know, I remember like my senior year of high school. Um, I never really excelled at school, um, and I actually used to ditch class and go home and start writing like during the day. And then my dad always thought I was either like playing video games, or, like smoking weed. Yeah. And stuff. But I mean, back then and then today, even like to this day, like music was just like is and is the only thing that really makes sense to me. Yeah. You know, and like that's like like throughout my whole like, you know, high school experience, like that's that's the one thing that drove me. And, you know, I I mean, I I never look for other people's approval when it comes to songwriting, like, like only, only like Sid, you know, Sid and, and Cam, Levi and, and Tanner, but yeah. Um, I mean, the biggest person 
like who needs approval is when it comes to songwriting is yourself. You know, like, like kids in high school used to make fun of me for making music or, you know, like, oh, like you're in a band, like, like whatever. And then, you know, I just, I, I paid no attention to them and I just focused on my craft to the best of my ability. I hate somebody telling me that I can't do something, you know, like, like, oh, you can't fly a plane. Okay, well, fuck you. I'm going to go get my <laughs> fucking pilot's license and yeah, learn how to fly this plane just to prove you wrong, you know? Um, and it's, it's just like anything, you know, like if you, if you put the time in, you put the work in, like, I don't know, like, like th- those, those kids were probably right at the time. Like my music was fucking terrible at the beginning. And, you know, I, I still, th- like, I still think I need a lot of improvements when it comes to it. But I mean, it's just everyday life is like, if you want to be good at something, you got to keep pushing yourself and striving for, you know, a greater purpose. If that makes sense. Absolutely. And that kind of perfectly segues in, into the main question of why do you make music? You know, you're pushing yourself to get better. What is the point? What does the process of making music give to you? It's all I ever think about, you know, and like, especially this, this past year being locked in our rooms, like as, as musicians, like we, we, we strive to, you know, go out and, and, play shows to people and being in front of crowds. And I don't know, like, especially with all like the whitewash today of, you know, politics and um, COVID and now I guess fucking aliens. I don't know if you've like read about that, but I have not heard about the aliens yet. (laughs) They, yeah, there's like a whole thing. I don't know. Cameron's like the specialist in aliens. So I don't know if, if, if he ever gets a chance to come on, let him talk to you about that. But anyways, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. It just all goes back to my point. Like music is the only thing that makes sense. Yeah. And especially like in a chaotic world that we're living in right now. I'm curious at what moments in your kind of musical journey do you feel most connected to that, to that mission and to that purpose? Like what have been some kind of the happiest moments in, in your journey? We played a, we played a sold out show at the echo like two years ago And I remember people were like singing along to songs that we had on YouTube that weren't even like released yet. That's awesome. And like, we all, we all were like talking after the show and it's like, it's, it's, it's just so special to me because like, I, I am that kid or like, like I, um, like I was that, I was that kid. I'm that person that goes and looks at bands on YouTube and, you know, sees like unreleased songs, like wanting to go see them before anybody else and kind of like, you know, having that, to, like like that personal feeling to yourself. Yeah. Um, and that was, that was a really special time. And then also, you know, just like being in the studio with everyone and, you know, we all just like try to come up with the best material possible. And like the writing process is always just so fun when it comes to us and no, that's great. I've always felt like kind of the concert experience, even from just a uh, an attendee, like just going to concerts whenever the whole crowd is is sort of singing together. It's it's those are kind of just like the best moments of of any good show is is when everyone kind of sings together. Yeah, it's it's the most uniting feeling. Yeah, you know, like like you're standing next to some random dude at a at a show. 
and you don't know anything about him. He doesn't know anything about you, but you guys are screaming these words and these lyrics and something that you felt personally connected to. And you can share that with people that you don't know. And that is, that that's the, one of the best things about music is it, it, it just brings everybody together. And we've been robbed of that this past year and it's, it, it, it sucks, but you know, I'm just, I'm looking forward to getting back to that and being able to go out and seeing, see our favorite bands and artists. Absolutely. Me too. On the flip side, briefly, you know, when do you feel kind of, obviously we've, we've kind of talked a little bit about how, how much of a struggle it can be to, to keep making music, especially this past year and, and all the shit that went down. But do you ever feel like giving up? Is it ever just like so annoying or so frustrating and, and painful at times that, that you think about stopping or is that never even in your mind? No, no. Because if it goes back to like, you know, if somebody tells me that I can't do something, I just want to do it even more, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think we'd let a lot of people down. I think we'd let our families down if we ever stopped. And, you know, we'd, we'd, we'd let the people who cherish our music down. And like, I, I don't know what else I would do if I didn't, if I didn't do music, like I, that's who I am. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what's in store for the future? You've got the new single out in an ideal world. What, you know, how is the shakes moving forward? What are your kind of goals for, you know, the next year and goals for the ultimate goals? Well, we're planning on uh, South by next year because we, we kind of missed the deadline this year. Um, but I definitely think a tour is in store. New EP that we worked with with John, um, John Joseph um, and playing a lot of shows and hopefully a lot more music after the EP. Like we put out this thing called From the Bedroom, um, which was like songs that we recorded and produced like at in our own bedrooms. And, um, that was like a little four song series. And I think we're going to start doing volume two here in a little bit. We've already kind of started writing for it. Cool. Well, we're, we're getting down to it. I have one more question for you before we wrap up, but is there anything you want to add or anything you want to talk about before I ask my last question? Not really. I mean, I, I think we touched on pretty much everything today. I mean, we got the, we got the single coming out. We got, you know, we're, we're planning for a lot of stuff for the future and, you know, it, it, it's starting, things are kind of starting to feel normal. I don't know about up in Seattle, but down here, I mean, a lot of vaccinations and people are, you know, kind of starting to, you know, get together. I know like Dodger stadiums opening up on June 15th, like full capacity. Yeah. So that's pretty crazy. Um, but yeah, that's it really. Yeah. Yep. Things are looking good up here too. Obviously you're coming up for a visit so you'll see yourself pretty soon and uh yeah i hope i hope it's sunny i'm like if it rains i mean like like what's the what's the weather been like uh it's today is beautiful it's beautiful outside right now uh it's been getting nicer i mean you know how it goes but uh it's been mostly nice the last month it's it's getting sunnier and sunnier staying staying bright really late which is awesome and there's still uh some scattered rain and clouds yesterday did rain so you never can really be sure but overall it's nice 
Nice. That's that's. I'm very happy to hear that because last time I went up, it was like really rainy and it was in the middle of summer. And then the moment I left, it's it like was pure sunshine. Yeah, no guarantees. Honestly, no guarantees. I don't even want. I should probably retract my statement. I don't want to get you excited or anything. (laughs) No promises. Yeah, like I, I, that's one thing that I like. I love like Seattle's like my favorite city, but that's the one thing is just like you never know if it's gonna rain. Like 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 planning a trip up there. Like I just kind of have to hope luck is on my side in that situation. Also. I would just and if you if you don't have anything that's okay but do you have any like Seattle recommendations for me as somebody who's new to town? Oh man, dude, everything has changed so much. Yeah, and I kind of figured, yeah. I don't know cuz I had I had a great aunt who lived on Orcas Island in Puget Sound and I don't know if you've been on the ferry on the ferry ride over there. Not through... to there, yeah. I went to Bainbridge Island. Uh Okay. But I need to explore some more. If you get the chance, go on a ferry ride and spend the day over on Orcas Island. I think like ferry rides are pretty cheap or relatively cheap. And if you go during sunset on a ferry through the Puget Sound, like it is one of the most gorgeous sightseeing experiences like you'll ever have, I promise you. Yeah, that sounds that sounds wonderful. I will definitely try to make that happen soon. Uh one more music-related question before we wrap up. And if you can't think of anything, that's okay. Or just whatever is the first thing that popped into your head. I want to know, when was the last time a piece of music, a song, maybe a live performance gave you the chills? Gave me the chills. You know, I, I grew up on a lot of postal service. And I saw their live video i think it was in melbourne but it was on their like reunion tour Mm -hmm. and i remember like kind of getting emotional like watching that full performance because yeah like they've it's it's like going back to the lcd sound system thing like it's such an amazing thing to see people like come out of like retirement after so long and being able to like play songs that people have been listening to for years without being able to see you live and like I don't know. It was just one of those like videos where like I felt like I was there in the actual audience, you know, I don't know. <laughs> Absolutely. No, that's beautiful. Yeah. That's a perfect answer. All right. That's all I got for you. Last couple things. I always ask if you would be so kind, not mandatory. If you could recommend another band, musician, musically creative person who I could interview on a future episode for this show. Ooh. Um, Definitely recommend uh, Skin Mag, uh, Long Beach bass band. I actually live with two of the members. Cool. Um, they're my buddies. And uh, Chloe Gallardo, um, also one of my friends. She just put out a new single, and she is absolutely amazing. Awesome. Perfect. I will definitely reach out to them, possibly through you, and uh, hopefully can talk to them soon. Cool. I'm excited to to check out their music too. Half the reason I do this is to discover new music for myself for selfish reasons. So <laughs> I love it. If anyone else listens, that's awesome too. But at least I heard something new too. <laughs> so uh, social media, why don't you give a, a shout out to kind of where people can follow you real quick? Social media, we're the Shakes Music on Instagram. Um, and then Twitter, we're at the Shakes Music underscore. 
Um, and then you can find us on Spotify, just the shakes. And then we have, I just made a TikTok the other day, like reluctantly, but Ooh. we're going to start posting on there uh, at the shakes music. Yeah. I've been reluctant to get on there as well, but I know there's a lot of good music stuff happening on there. So it's probably a good move. Yeah. It's just like, it's, you know, adapt or die. Yeah. Adapt or die. That's good. <laughs> cool. Yeah. And the, the new single six feet below just came out today today you i mean if you're listening to this point in the podcast you already heard it at the beginning of the show release day happy release day go fave it uh like it save it put it on your playlist and send it to your your friends send it to your mom and dad your uncles your grandparents everyone everyone and uh thanks for listening uh thank you sean for being on i enjoyed talking to you and uh we always end with a high five so I'll, okay. I'll count down from three, and then we'll virtually high five. Okay, ready? Yes. Three, two, one. That was that was pretty spot on from my end. You know, it's always perfect in its own way. <laughs> <laughs> it always, it sometimes it sounds perfect. Sometimes, sometimes it's it's awful. But uh, it, they're they're all kind of like you know a work of art in their own way. I mean, I'm I'm looking at the sound file right here where we clapped, and it looks like it's pretty spot on. That's good. I'll we'll see where it ends up. And I never, you know, I could just so people know, I could edit it so that it is perfect, but I don't. <laughs> wherever it, wherever the claps fall is where they fall. So we'll see where it ends up being. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, that's all I got. Thank you again. And uh, best of luck to you and the band. All right, dude. Thank you so much for having me on. It means a lot. And uh, I wish you uh, good weather. And I hope the angels start to you know, <laughs> break out a little bit. God, that would make me a happier person. <laughs> I hope the Mariners go to the playoffs at some point. If I if I can't root for the Angels yes. now, now I root for the Mariners since I live here. I'm trying to get past. I try to get past the division rivalry and at least sort of root for them since since I live here now. But you got to root for the underdogs. So yeah, it always, is. always, always. <laughs> Alrighty, adios. Just let me know if I'm coming off too strong. You got issues, baby Well, you got issues, baby You call me on the weekend Thought about killing yourself You got issues, baby That I think we need to work out You got issues, baby Cause I'm your best friend till my life ends Let's burn some incense to release this tension Be my best friend when my life ends now And I just wanna see you smile Every once in a while now I just wanna see you smile
This has been a Redefining Records production. production, production.